You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, welcome back. This is Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about shedding limiting labels and beliefs basically so we can live out our dreams and shine bright in the world. Today we're talking with Ryan Foland. Ryan is a high energy speaker, three-time podcast host, brand consultant, and he teaches executives how to build personal brands and he helps corporations become more personable. So think about that. That's a, a broad swath of skill sets there. He is 313 method uncovers core branding messages to guide bespoke content marketing strategies. Ryan, I'm going to ask you more about that. As a four-time TEDx speaker, Ryan has been featured in Forbes, Fortune Inc., an entrepreneur, along with other publications, and his award-winning book, Ditch the Act, teaches you how to get ahead in business by simply being human. What a relief. Um, the reviews actually are very highly um favorable of the book, and they speak to how Ryan and his co-author do that being human piece from the first page of the book. And on a more personal note, Ryan has recently read Getting Things Done by David Allen, and for fun, he sails, he draws sticks, stick figures, and he raps. So do you think we can get a little freeform rap for you before the podcast is over, Ryan? <laughs> I'm sure I'll find a way to wrap something up for sure. <laughs> we'll do it at the end. You can actually wrap the wrap. Yeah, um, it's a good wrap. Good wrap. Yeah. Good way to so, wrap. I, well, I want to formally welcome you to the podcast show. It's good to have you here. Well, thanks. Well, well, whoever you have on the show, that sounds like a pretty interesting person. So I'm actually excited to hear what I have to say. <laughs> Won't you just want to find out more? Well, let's start with this because I like to ask all of our guests this question or a variation of it. And that is whether you do something every day or you have a routine that really lets you stay focused on your own goals and dreams. You know, I would say that when I do it every day, I can say I do it every day, but I don't do it every day. But on the good days when I do it, it's working out. Okay. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of danced around there because technically I don't do it every day, but it's something that I try to do every day. And I have to admit, yesterday I didn't do it, but the two days before that, I woke up and I did yoga before my day started. We also adopted what we call the bopper, uh, which is an elliptical that my parents bought. They, they decided that they wanted to use it. They never used it. So they asked me if I could take it apart and remove it. And so it ended up in our backyard. So we've got the bopper. We've got YouTube and our favorite people to follow. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, the better my machine is operating, the better it translates to everything. So that's the one thing. Get up, get outside, work out. Doesn't matter. It can be a skateboard session. It can be hunting for lobsters. But that activity, I think, has to happen for me to stay sane. Yep. Nice. No, I, I think so, too. And, it, and there's something about being outside that, you know, you can be in a grumpy mood and you walk out the door and all of a sudden it's hard to hang on to a grumpy mood. You have I to like work that. hard. It is hard to hang on to your grump when you're outside. And I'm a big cloud fan. If you ever search the hashtag cloud challenge on Twitter, you will come up with such amazing photos. And the, the concept is if I can't see clouds that are inspiring, or if I do, I want to either share them or find others. And so years ago, I just created, you know, there's an ice bucket challenge, this challenge that. So it's like, okay, cloud challenge. I'm going to show me, I'm going to show you my clouds if you show me yours. And so just, I see clouds. I'm like, wow, that's great. And then I'll share it. And then a lot of other people will share what they see in that moment. And so it's kind of this way to teleport and yeah, some, something like nature will definitely make it 
hard to hold on to your grunt. That should yeah. be a book of yours. Hard to hold okay. on to your grunt. Well, I've been wondering what I should write about next. So I, hard to hold on to your grump is is good working title for now. Yeah, or actually the, the, the grump is just good. So it could be like, get rid of your grump or uh, let go of your grump. I think there's a lot of, I don't know, the hump and grump. So how to get over your grump hump. <laughs> Although you got to be careful though. You got to be careful. Anyways. Yeah. No, I that we're going down a real rabbit trail now because I could run with that and I'm not going to. So let's back up and put this back on you. Um, and can you just share a bit about your background, some of what has led you to do the work you do today with the people you help? I think that what I do to help people is solving one of the biggest problems that they have. And I, I don't, don't don't take this the wrong way. It's kind of cheeky, but I don't care what you do. You don't care what I do. Nobody cares what anybody does. The reality is I think we're most interested, we're most compelled, and we'll pay money and attention to people who solve problems that we have. And so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I do. It's what I get excited about is the problem that I'm solving. And so if I take your question and I just substitute what I do with the problem that I'm solving, it comes down to clear, effective communication, because when that's not there, bad things can happen or your potential will never achieve what it could. How I learned that in my life, I think started when I was in middle school as a freckle headed, bleach blonde toad head who would disappear to Catalina for three months every summer and come back and be an easy target to be excluded. And so I dealt with challenges of feeling belonging and uh, was sort of harassed and bullied. You know, we all have different degrees of it, but it gets in your head when you're a kid. So I turned to martial arts and I'll never forget the confidence that I got when I learned how to communicate with my body instead of not knowing that I was communicating even when I wasn't communicating. So you can't not communicate. And that's one of the early lessons that I learned, which is, is, you know, the difference between slummed and scared and fearful versus just like, like grandma says, put your shoulders back and sit up, right? The power of a smile, the power of a eyebrow, like all of these things I really just discovered. And in karate and martial arts, you know, it's like your back stance and your horse stance and everything is very like exaggerated. And it wasn't like I walked up to school and it's like, but it just made me walk a little taller and it gave me more confidence when I would decide to speak up. And I think that for me, if I trust, you know, track forward to high school and college and we could talk for a lot. And if you do read ditch the act, I let it all out there. So you get to know, you get to really know me for all these experiences, but in the times when the businesses that I've built have failed, it's not only, it, it, it actually wasn't as much about the communication to the outside world. It was about the communication internally. And Let's talk I've about had, that because that's a big, it's hidden. People don't pay attention sometimes. And I think sometimes it's below the surface because we're not self-aware or paying or having someone help us like you're talking about. So how did you come to that? Well, I, I didn't come to it multiple times in a row. And... Uh, it ended up in bad situations. I had a, a business partner that uh, physically threatened me and I, I let, literally left uh, at that moment, sort of stopped. A lot of little red flags before, but there wasn't the right communication. Flash forward with another business partner who actually ended up um, being not the best business partner, someone who I w trusted on the surface level, but there was communication that wasn't happening different pages. He ended up building a multi-million dollar house in a different state under my nose. This was a, we, we had a large success on the outside. And when I found this out, it just created a trickle effect of where I literally failed, legaled up years in litigation. And I actually got served eight years later by the FTC because of what had happened 10 years ago. And all that's traced back to effective, efficient communication and from the outside perspective, there's something very similar because if you're not communicating what's really happening with you, or if you're not ditching the act and you're not being transparent, then 
there will be this disconnect between what people think about you and what actually goes on, what goes on in your head, what goes on at home, how happy you are. And so the greater that divide and the more you put on an act in different forms or ways, or you show up to work and you're like, all right, it's work time. I got to put on my work face. And then at lunch, you're like, oh, I'm so exhausted. That's not really me. And then you go home and you're like, putting on my husband face and putting on my kid. Like, I just felt so like, I felt that, that, that distance increasing. And for me, the moment where I recognized that and then went, I'm sick of trying to put on an act. Here's actually what's going on. I've got a pimple. I'm actually nervous. I'm not feeling good about this. I'm scared. I'm this, I'm that help mom, dad. I finally am now calling you. Uh, I've lost my house. I lost my cars. I, I tried to pretend like things are okay. And they're really not. Um, can I move in? Like it took disastrous real world situations to get me to open up. And the more you recognize the value of opening up in little, little tiny bits, little tiny bits to build a relationship with your boss or to build a solid relationship with your partner. I just think that it comes down to feeling confident to be authentic about what you want and what you need. And when you learn to ditch the act, that is what I think sort of unravels that whole thing. And it's a, it's a daily grind. It's something that like, like the working out. So there's not a one and done. fast forward with, with that. I don't know. That's what I got for you. That's, that's great. Um, because it isn't, you're right. It's not a one and done. You don't get to check the box like, okay, I've been authentic done. Right. It's, like, <laughs> no, it's a new day. What's ironic about this book in particular is that my co-author and I were very different people. And that is what made the book so strong because he's someone who naturally shares. If anything, he naturally shares too much. And for me, I was always reserved and always trying to hide and put on some sort of a, no, 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 I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. When I was really wasn't. And so the, the difference, the delta between us, what is the uniting factor is that when we open up and how we do that, that's where the connectivity happens. But as a result of writing this book, we really, uh, when you write a book with somebody, it's like having a kid with them or buying a house with them. You know, you, everything's out on the table. And as a result of writing the book, I recognize that it was yet again, not a healthy relationship for me in the long term. And I'm so excited that this book actually helped me to realize this earlier than it's been in the past, because in the past I would just continue to work on when it wasn't healthy until something extreme happened and then it would blow up. So I feel like for the first time I got in front of it, granted it still was drama and chaos and emotions and, and, and hard, just difficult times, but I, I feel more like myself than ever. I'm more confident than ever. Um, I, I've just, moved forward. <laughs> and so for me, um, I'm constantly trying to make sure that the new relationships I'm building, the people I'm going to be involved with those that I'm having babies or books with, uh, that, that again, at the foundation of that relationship is authenticity and honesty. And when that's not there, at least I now have a better chance of, of, of uh, pulling the, pulling the cord and getting off the bus earlier. Well, and it sounds like you've learned something about what your own triggers are for shutting down, right? Or not yes. hearing. And that yes. really lets you um, see the red flags or hear the ding, ding, ding a little. Well, it see, I know it see is the little me. red flags <clears throat> because sometimes I think that we, we see the big red flags and that's sure. too late, but it's, there's literally a whole bunch of little flags. They're just like, they're right in front of you. They're just so tiny. It's like the tilde on your keyboard that's there the whole time. You just don't see it. So let me ask you this because this is interesting. So let's talk about some of those little red flags that we, it's easy to, to overlook them or go, Oh, that might just be that person having a bad day. Right. So what are some of the little red flags that you learn to look for? Yeah. To look for. An, I, I can, and I'm saying like in a business relationship. Okay. <clears throat> if, the person that you are working with or building a relationship with, if there's nothing that ever goes wrong in their life, that's a little red flag. Okay. If there is something that goes wrong in their life and they either don't communicate it to you or they communicate it to you with a half truth or they sort of spin what actually happened, it's very easy to be like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Let's just move on. 
But when things happen, they're sort of indications or forewarnings for the future. And sometimes it's not about um, it's not about trying to say, I only want to deal with people who don't have issues. That's not the thing. It's when people who have issues or challenges or problems or small beefs or big beefs, when that's not communicated and when it's not upfront, then it builds under the surface until it explodes at some point. So a red flag would be if every time you meet with your boss or something, you're like, hey, how you doing? Like, oh, I'm great. Good. How about you? Oh, I'm good. Good. Thanks. Next day. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Good. Great. How are you doing? Oh, great. Thanks. Good How's your weekend? Oh, it was good. Great. Here's how to break the cycle. You go first. You ask me how I am. I'm like, actually, could be better. Either my I'm having health. My, my dad's having health issues or you know what? I got the uh, I decided to get the nitro brew today and it was a little bit too much. I feel like I'm a little bit too nitro right now. It, like I need to just step it back when I come to my Starbucks ordering. It, little tiny things that just are real. And then people go, oh, my gosh. You, t- you know, the funny thing is I actually forgot my coffee today. I mean, how stupid is that? Oh, my God, I forgot my keys the other day. You forgot your keys. Oh, my God, that's not as bad as your wallet. But have you lost your phone? Oh, my God, my dad just lost his phone. That's when people connect. But it takes somebody to go first. And the boss usually doesn't go first because they are in that powerful position or they are like, oh, I'm fine. Yes, I'm fine. I am, I am at the higher. I'm good. Yes, how are you? Oh, good. I have an open door policy. If anything goes wrong, just let me know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to my cube mate who knows because they overheard the conversation. They're like, are you okay? And you're like, I'm not really that great right now. Like, let's go outside. Let's talk. And you talk. And you're like, that's why they're your best friend. But if you want your boss to be your best friend or the investor who you want to invest in to be your best friend, when they're like, how are you doing? Instead of going, oh, we're great. You can be like, well, actually, this may sound weird, but I'm kind of nervous right now. And I'm a little intimidated because you're like the exact person I want to talk to right now, but I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. And here I am messing it up. If that's how you actually feel, oh my gosh, that investor is going to be like, oh man, look, you are not the only one that's nervous right now. I just got off a call with the grand poopah and I know what you're talking about. So don't even worry about it. So let's talk about that in business because there is that. And, and, let me just pick a niche of business, which might be small business owners or solopreneurs, right? So there's a lot on the line for um, not saying that it isn't the case for a corporation, but there's less room for error or wrecking relationships, right? Because it, it weighs on that person, potentially, especially if it's young organization. So where is the balance between being authentic and um, kind of maybe oversharing with someone who you may need to be an investor or a board member or whatever. I'm not asking that necessarily in the right way because I don't want to set it up, but there is, I'm just wondering if there is. I have an line. answer if you want If you want to stop. I'll try to answer from what Please I understand do. from the question. Baby steps. We talk about in the book the five levels of exposure. Okay, level one is I got the wrong coffee. Level two is my dad was in the hospital two weeks ago. Level three is, guess what? Uh, When I was a kid, I was bullied. Maybe for me, that's like a big deal to even share because I've never shared that before, maybe. Level four is uh, I got... I got a summons from the F- F- FTC and I've, I've been down that and, and I'm here to stand, uh, you know, stronger and smarter because of it. And I'm here. That may be a level four. A level five is extreme sex, drugs, anything that's against your policy, religion, politics, all the stuff that's super divisive. So we actually have a, a worksheet that is these levels ranked. Uh, the exposures ranked in specific examples about these different types of things. When you share and you share too much, you do risk oversharing and you will push people away. And that's actually the degree at which Leonard uh, has, has shared even during and post, especially, especially once the book was out made me feel uncomfortable. And, and it actually is a big reason of why, why I pushed away from that relationship. And so the best way to start is just at level one. You're not, you're, you're literally talking about the silly, stupid stuff that happens during the day that we all connect on. 
when you talk with your husband or wife or partner or boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever, at the end of the day, like, what are the funny stories that they tell you? It's usually the stuff that went right or went wrong or like, oh my gosh, I can't believe with this, but like just small stuff. That is where it starts. And that is how you get to know someone. Once you get to know someone, you'll gauge whether this person likes you or not. Okay. Because either you become friends and you start hanging out more or you'll like stop by the office and be like, Hey, hi. And it's you like, Oh, hi. See you later. Or they're like, dude, come on, come on in. Shut the door real quick. Let's hang out. Like people decide whether or not they like you based on if they know you. And so a lot of people just want to try to be liked. And so they skip the no part. And then they're like, Hey, you know, like, let's, do you like me? Do you like the way that I look? Do you like what I'm doing? But that's all superficial. So when you let people get to know you with these little tiny, little, little nuances into your life, and it can be good or bad, but it's just not like great. Then it builds that foundation for getting to know you. And if they like you, then eventually they can trust you. And once you have trust with somebody and you know, this is like a solid relationship, you can be like, Hey, can I ask your advice on something that's kind of personal? And maybe you can share and they'll be like, oh my gosh, this happened to me, believe it or not. And now they're just like there to help you. So total babies. What did we, what did we ditch the act on when we started this conversation? Ahoy. Yeah. And then we talked about how I say that because we talked about sailing and then we talked about the weather and we talked about cold and we talked about my boots. Like we literally had like a five minute conversation that started with the first word I said, and you got to know that I'm in Long Beach. You got to know that I like to sail. You got to know my kind of like just energy in general. And so when we started the show, we had some good rapport. Like I didn't, I don't know you very well, but I got to know you. And so I liked you from the beginning. And now there's this chemistry. So if you would have just went, Ryan, great. Okay. Click record. Hi everyone. We're here with Ryan. It'd be like, there would be less chemistry. Yeah, I would I can't probably share less. But now you got me. I'm like an open book. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. hey, that's my favorite thing to do. And um, I joke. My husband says, you interrogate. And I go, well, I learn from the best, baby. Yeah. And um, I, because I'm honestly curious, it's not because I have to know, but I find people immensely interesting. Their stories interesting. Um, and so when someone says, ahoy, I want to finish that in my head, matey and want to know what is the genesis of that as a greeting, right? I just knew there was a story. So, And, and, um, and the one thing I'll point back to this, and we can go over direction you want yeah. to go from here. I have a question for you. you. You mentioned how fascinating and curious you are about stories, about people's stories. Your boss has a story and lots of stories. Your coworkers have stories and lots of stories. So when people ask you, how are you doing? Instead of just saying good or great, be like, oh, I've got this kind of funny story I can tell you. Oh my gosh, what's that story? So getting, letting people get to know you could be as simple as just telling them stories. And that's it. All right, back to you. So that'll be a stretch for those of us who are introverts. But honestly, I'm a deep, deep introvert. And um, it doesn't kill you to ask and interact. So you just need a little rejuvenation later. I do want to ask you something, though. You know, you talked about, um, I want to follow up, like, on your, the way that authenticity plays into when you're helping somebody build a personal brand. Like, are you asking them to start out that way? Or, like, what is your thought process when you're working with either an individual or a corporation around being real? And they can have that bespoke marketing strategy, which honestly, I'm not sure what that means. So spoke means custom made. So like okay. a bespoke suit or a bespoke solution. I've, is. I've heard it with suits. So I, I make, I make suits for people and those suits end up just being who they are. You know, it's their, Very it's their, customized. their avatar. Yeah. Cool. Drag okay. and drop. So to answer your question. Thank you. I think in general, people are smart. I think that they can go online and Google. And if they're interested in building a personal brand, they've maybe read a book. They've maybe done some research. It's not just like, okay, I want a brand. I'm just going to aimlessly try to have someone help me. So I want to give everybody that credit. But where the problem starts is that they oftentimes do the right things in the wrong order. And the reason I know this is because that's what I did. 
I'm a smart person. I Googled how to brand. I figured out what to do. I had all this stuff. And so I knew that I had to write stuff. So I wrote, I wrote like 50 blogs one summer. I'm like, you're supposed to write. Like all these people are writing. I'm going to write. Nobody read it. They're like, to build your brand as a speaker, you've got to offer your services for free. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. So I'm like, hey, I will speak for free. I will speak for free. And they're like, great. We're looking to pay somebody. Or like, sorry, we don't have that experience. And that was one of the things that I learned from Leonard right out the gates when, when we first met at a kind of serendipitous party that we would have never met otherwise. And um, we ended up connecting randomly a few weeks afterwards and the, the world worked to where we connected. And the first thing he asked me to do was write down a list of all the things that you're doing, writing blogs and da, 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 all this stuff. And he looked at it and he's like, well, you're doing all the right stuff just in the wrong order because you're writing blogs, but you don't have a personal website. You are trying to speak, but you haven't established yourself as a speaker. You're trying to do this, but, but, and so I was like, Oh, so really we just like rearranged them and started at the beginning. And so my answer to your question is the first step is to figure out what you want to be known for. And that is sometimes the hardest step because we don't, want to put our finger on it because we do this and we kind of like this. We're not sure about that. And then we also like this and we kind of like that, but then over here is this and we have a side house with this. So like, <sighs> and so that I think is one of the hardest things to do, but it's the biggest mistake if you skip that step and uh, came up with a concept called the rapid reflection discovery process. And it all has to do with post-it notes and something I naturally started to do with clients is like recognizing you want to, what do you want to be known for? Write it down on a post-it note. What else do you want to be wrote? Okay, write down as many things on your post-it notes as you want to be known for. Personality-wise, professional-wise, what you like to do for a hobby, what they associate you with. Like, do they think you're an introvert or an extrovert? Do you want to be known as an introvert or extrovert? You are proud of it. And I think that's cool. It's part of your brand. Once you do that, then you go out to your friends, your family, your coworkers, people who know you, people who don't really know you, somebody who took that class with you. And you say, hey, I'm doing this exercise and my homework is to have you tell me what you think about me. If you were going to describe me to somebody and I wasn't there, what would you say about my personality, about my professional work? What do you think I do for fun? What, what, what's, what's quirky about me that you know? So you get, it's, it's better if you have someone help. It's all got to be anonymous, right? So that you have good sure. data and more than an N of one. And now you have <laughs> two sets of post-it notes, one color of what you think about yourself and another color of what people think about you. Why are we doing this? Is because it's very hard for you to answer the question. What do you want to be known for? You're like, oh, Absolutely. Blah, 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 blah. so now you have two colors, post-it notes. You can do this digitally and we have a worksheet, but I prefer tactical kind of stuff. I want to touch it. So a screen, uh, like your a screen or a window or a mirror works really well, the big area. And you put all the post notes up there. Then you start to group them together. Oh, I want this blue one that I want to be known as funny. And this other person said, this person tells good jokes. Now there's two colors in that little area. Repeat that process. And what you'll have is certain groups of post notes that are only one color certain groups of post notes are the other color, some random one-offs that don't seem to connect with anything. And then these magical circles or groupings where there's both colors of post notes. And the reality is my opinion, a personal brand is not just what you want to be known for. And it is not just what other people think about you. It's the intersection. And so you've done this exercise. What does the world think about me based on what they know, what they can see, what they can find, what they've experienced? And what do I really want to be known for? Independently, I've been shy about being wanting to be a stick figure artist. So I'm afraid to share that, but I really want to be known as that. Put them all up there and you cross them over and it's the intersection. And then pick the trait that you want to be known for personality-wise. I'm high energy. I just like, they, for me, it's that energy. Pick one trait from a professional standpoint that you want to be known with first, the first on the level. For me, that's speaking. I'm a speaker. And then the final thing is what you do outside of work. What do you do for fun? And for me, that's sailing. So my brand, my core is 
high energy. I'm a speaker and I love to sail. I love the ocean. I love the nature. Now, now, do I like to skateboard? Yes. Do I like to scuba dive? Yes. Do I like to read books? Yes. I like all these things, but what starts is there and everything trickles down. So when somebody says, Hey, what are you all about? You know, I'm a high energy speaker and I love to be in nature. Interesting. That then becomes the guiding light for what it is. You look at my Twitter and it literally says, I write about speaking startups and stick figures or like, like in sailing. Like it's just, it's a guidance. So what then it allows you to do is look at opportunities by answering two questions. Is this on brand? Does it make me money? If it's on brand and it makes me money, let's do it. If it's off brand and it makes me money, I got to really think about it. If it's on brand and there's no money, I got to really think about it. If it's off brand, it doesn't make money, I'll pass. So you can use this foundation as a filter and, and you can then start, start smart. Then when you write a blog, well, maybe you can incorporate a story about sailing and it can be a, a high energy tone or you can include a video of you and then you can share your insights about what it is professionally that you want to be known for. So that's a, again, I feel like hopefully I'm not being too long winded, but I really no, I love it. No, because through. you're adding huge value here. I mean, honestly, when I think about what you've just laid out about, I mean, those are very simple processes. But simple is not easy. Simple never, is not easy. Rarely is it. The, I think the more simple something is, the, the harder, harder it is. is. <clears throat> and that is my 313. There's nothing more difficult than my 313. It stands for your ability to explain either who you are, right? What you do or your business. Cause you know, like those, let's interchange those. It, <laughs> I want to say it forces you, but it helps to facilitate just like bumpers in a bowling alley, uh, guidelines, guiding lines to stay on track, to reduce down to explaining it in three sentences in one sentence and ultimately in three words. And when you, when these constraints are put on you, you're like, oh, I don't know what to say. And so you either don't say anything or you default to like, well, I'll just play it safe and I'll tell you everything. That and then no five. one knows what you're known for because you're all over the place. And trust me, I'm the ginger with the chicken. I'm the ginger chicken with its head cut off. And that was my issue. That's still, that, that's something I constantly fight. But I just remind myself, does this fit into my brand? And does it make me money? And that's how I guide my decisions and how I protect my brand. That's really helpful. And I like the 313. You know, I've done that as exercise, excuse me, exercises when I'm working with organizations, more words than that. But even getting to like a 797 thing for like around mission or vision, it's hard for folks because they want to tell all of this, but then can't remember what they Right. Could you repeat that? No, I'm going right. Too long, too long. Not memorable. You know, so and if, three, if I three, had more time here, I'd give you shorter answers, but I just don't have enough time. You, that's true. And a good saying, I know where that comes from. Hey, so I want to ask you, so you've written your book, you're working with your clients, you're out on your boat, you're doing the bopper. What <laughs> is next for you? Are you going to write another book? I am, yeah. Uh, this time by myself, and uh, this time I'm probably not going to go with the traditional publishing. Uh, originally, it was McGraw Hill, and I love them, but it's just a long process, and there's there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and it it makes for an amazing result. But so I'm really glad I went through that experience. My next book, um, people have told me to not share the title or to share it, but you know I believe in abundance, and I've I've already got it somewhat protected. But my first book is Ditch the Act, and my next book is going to be ditch the pitch. Oh, nice. Because if you really want to get somebody interested in your idea or you don't pitch it, just explain the problem really well. And if they are on board with that, then they will be open to listening to what you have to say. <clears throat> and that's, that's the three, one, three at the end of the day. So <clears throat> I'm excited about that. And what I'm really excited is that I'm always looking for new technology. And there is this thing called the blockchain. There's this thing on the blockchain called cryptocurrency. And there are these ways to authenticate digital ownership 
through what is called a non-fungible token or an NFT. And for me, I always look at what's coming down the line and read my Gartner research and look at the, the, the curves to see what is the trending technology that's like in the valley of death and the high expectations and where the world is right now. Digital ownership is going to be more and more prevalent, especially as things move to a digital world where next year I'll hopefully be a hologram there in some outside patio, maybe in a fake sweatshirt because I won't be cold, but you will be. And so trying to look ahead, I'm looking at how I can explore creating and drawing and publishing my next book as a one of, say, 500, one of 10,000, one of 5,000 mints of this book in digital format. And so now, instead of just going to Amazon and buying my book and Amazon getting their money and you just getting a book, you would then own the digital rights to that copy as an NFT on the blockchain. And guess what? What if I make a limited edition and I don't really give more than, I don't print 10,000, I only print 100. Only 100 people get this book. Well, that scarcity drives a little bit of demand. And if there is demand for this, but there's low supply, maybe you purchase the digital asset from me originally for 25 bucks. And then two, three years go by and people want to get their hands on this, but there's only limited copies of it. You might be able to sell that NFT, which is going to be probably a stick figure based and sell yes. that book, resell the book at a higher profit because there's only limited amounts of it. So I'm looking at ways of, of using the utility in NFTs. And when I say that, the NFT itself is like a receipt, a documented receipt of ownership. And so on the blockchain, it's just code. The actual NFT is housed on a server or in your Google Cloud or on your hard drive. But within that transaction, you have the ability to make unlockable or a secret content that only the owner can get access to. And so when you purchase this item, so for example, I just dropped 10 NFTs. They're stick figure sailors, little stick figure boat kind of choppy going across. It's like in the desert and the clouds. When you purchase that for 0.1 ETH, which is uh, the cryptocurrency, so it's like four or 500 bucks, then you not only get this cool stick figure gift that you own, but it unlocks consulting time with me and a shout out on social media and your own personal stick figure that you get that no one else will ever get. And so now people are able to pay me for my services. They're able to get a digital token that is a proof of ownership that also could unlock the services that they would have just paid me originally. And now it's a way of incorporating new digital ownership with the upside that there might be value in that digital asset on a secondary market later on. So investing in my NFTs are investing in me. And if yeah. I continue to have success and there's demand for it, then it might increase the value of those assets. I, I know that was a lot. No, actually, that's super interesting because the implications of that, depending on how it works out for you, I mean, when you think about purchasing something from a consuming, so I buy a book or whatever, and it's a consuming thing, right? I've read yep. it once, I have the book, or I don't, it might have been borrowed. But um, but by having done that and owning it, especially if it's a limited, like if like you're saying it's a finite amount, the potential of that book yielding other results or um, bonuses to me, whether they're cat or cryptocurrency or whatever, but in the future from that one action, as well as getting the benefits of your work. It's a win-win, it, right? It's just, if, it's if I can deliver win. more value to the customer with them doing the same transaction and giving them long-term value possibly, and personally for me to help introduce them to what the blockchain is and what crypto is. I look at it from an education excuse. If you want to learn how to make an NFT and buy an NFT, I just wrote an article on that. And if you wanted to buy one, you could buy one of mine as a test. Like I want to be an excuse for people to dip their toe in. Yeah. I'm not in it to buy and flip multi-million dollar monkeys and do all this stuff. Like I'm more into the utility. And for me, the, the opportunity as a stick figure artist, don't laugh. It's, it's I'm my not art. laughing. Okay. I was just for anybody else who's like stick figures. 
Yeah, oh, we'll cool. go. All you have to do is watch animation and get that stick figures are a big deal. Yeah, and know? my next my next big idea for stick figures in the metaverse uh, is something I probably won't share with you right now because the best ideas have not really been made public. So watch out for stick figures. Hold on in the metaverse. to it. But when you're ready to share it, I want to hear about it. I okay. really do. Sounds good. Um, we'll have a all at that moment. Maybe I will be here in stick figure format. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? It would be cool. We'll see what the weather's like. I'll tell you what to wear. <laughs> wear that sweatshirt. Um, okay. Um, I wanted to just follow up with something. And um, actually, I don't. I'm gonna, I'll ask you a different question later. But, you know, I want to ask you, um, I know you have resources already where you're helping people online. So, do you have, can you talk a little bit about your free course? Yeah. So you can go to my website, ryan.online, and there's a free source button. And you can also just go to ryan.online forward slash start. And a, a pretty large domain company called Radix, they own extent, domain extensions. You all know the dot com. Um, this company owns dot online dot store dot net dot tech dot fun dot fun how cool is that so they partnered with myself and uh, a few other creators to help come up with essentially a crash course in how to start a side hustle for people who want to flex their entrepreneurial skills and it makes sense because you need a website for it and you can have a dot store you can have a dot online you can have a dot whatever just because your dot com is not there doesn't mean the world has ended so they asked me to be the, the first part of the course, which is coming up with an idea, validating the idea, and communicating the idea. And so that's what I really can help people with. I, I, have, I don't have a course on ideation, but I've just been around so many startups and I've run entrepreneurial centers and like there's a process that you can do. And then there's a way to validate the idea. Then there's a way to communicate the idea with the 313. So you can have the best idea in the world, but if you can't articulate it in a way that gets people interested, it's no longer the best idea. So you can check that out. Um, of the other courses, it's a little bit longer because I end up telling stories and you know I get animated and have fun talking about it. So I think the total is like closer to two and a half hours, but they're broken up into little lessons. And that's a fun resource for people to kind of get a start, understand how I kind of go about it. And yeah, that's, that's there. Um, also I write for Influensive and there's a lot of resources there, which I basically create like this last one, seven steps to creating your first NFT. The backstory is that I've been, no, I've known about NFTs for like the last year, but I just dragged my feet, I procrastinated, I didn't get involved. And it took a buddy basically pushing me over the edge. And then when I saw how easy it was, I was like, why didn't somebody push me before? So I documented that and I put it out there. So you can <clears throat> find me on Influensive, ryan.online forward slash Influensive, just a short link that brings you there. And then I would say the another big set of resources are my podcasts. I have a World of Speakers podcast with almost 100 episodes interviewing amazing speakers and just like pulling the information from them. The World of Speakers, anywhere you get your podcast. If you want to learn and see people in the hot seat with the 313, the 313 challenge. It is so fun to, to, to see how hard it is to break things down. So we do it in real time and you're like, wow. Like one, one time we spent almost the entire show on just the first first step, like not even step 1.2. And so you, you, you listen, you're like, wow, I'm not alone. It's, I'm not the only one being challenged with this. And then of course, to be on brand, I also have a podcast called Good Jibes, which is all about sailing from the West Coast perspective. And I partnered with a 40-year-old sailing magazine to produce it. So guess what? My podcast is about sailing. My podcast is about core messaging. <clears throat> and my podcast is about speaking. And if you look at what I said before, You're that's what brand. I wanted to be known for. Yep. And that has been the guiding light to help me stay in those lanes. I love focus. And I, that is such a brilliant way to um, remove outside noise or like when you feel pulled in multiple directions, being able to filter that clearly 
But to be able to filter, you have to know what your points are. What the filters are. And I, w- I will say what has helped me because there's so many cool things you want to do, like NFTs, like how does that fit in? Well, guess what? My NFT drop yesterday was of stick figure sailboats that pushes people to my consulting services. So <clears throat> now it's not like, hey, I'm an NFT guy. No, I'm the same guy that's been drawing stick figures, the same guy that's been helping people communicate better, the same guy who's talking about authenticity. But now you can get that in a new digital asset. And so again, it's when you have these definitions, I don't want people to think that like, oh, but I like NFTs, but I don't want to be known as a this. Once you set your definitions, you can find these things to overlap and overlayer. And sometimes when I can speak at a sailing conference and have my slides be stick figures, it stacks on top of each other. It's like, whoa. I got all checks in the boxes. Absolutely. What? Okay. This is my, the question I was going to ask you earlier. What is one takeaway you got or have held on to from reading, getting things done? The two minute rule. Tell the listeners what that is. And I'm not sure if this is audio or video, but I went out and actually bought um, sort of a, uh, a time glass. And this is actually a three minute timer. Okay. So if there's a small thing that I need to get done, I flip this over. And if I can get it done in three minutes, I'll get it done in three minutes. If I don't think I can get it done in three minutes, then I put it into a spot where I know that I have more time. And for that, I have this Pompadouro timer. So (laughs) I can time myself for 60 minutes, 45 minutes, five minutes. And it's like little, little sprints. So for me, his concept of if you can do it in two minutes, get it done. I've turned into, if I can get it done in three minutes, get it done. And then I have uh, an acknowledgement of how long I think it will take. And I literally set the timer and we'll focus and run with that. So it has helped me to get things done, but I will say to, to do what he wants you to do is like a full crazy commitment. You got to go all in to get the all benefits. So I plucked that out and still worked it within my system. Well, and baby steps, <laughs> baby steps. Oh, no? You got to start somewhere. Yeah, I I remember reading and going in depth many years ago on that and thinking, I don't have time to do all that. But <laughs> he I did. Says, he says you pull a few things and start. He even says too. He's like, you're going to tell yourself you don't have time for this, but you're once you do it, you're going to be good. <clears throat> so yeah, it's true. It's so true. my last book I read, <clears throat> believe it or not, was the NFT Handbook. And I blasted through this in a weekend. It's like big font and it's spread out. So again, if you don't know something, grab a book and read it and figure it out. I was at an NFT meetup last night, just meeting people. And so instead of being intimidated by new stuff or having FOMO that you didn't get your board ape or your board ape yacht club, that's now worth a million dollars. Now is the time to like, just learn and meet people and understand we're still so we're always so early. It's just going to be the time frame of missing out on that window is just going to get shorter and shorter, whether it's NFTs, whether it's the metaverse, whether it's web 3.0, 5g, all that stuff. So Ryan, as we wrap this up, what is one message you want people? I know you've got three potentials, but what is one message you want people to take away from today? And where do you want them to find you? Cause we've given out a bunch of different sites and information. The one takeaway would be more of a challenge. The next time somebody asks you, how are you doing? Instead of an instinctively reacting, oh, I'm fine. I'm great. Things are good. Try to find a level one exposure. Oh, I didn't get the best sleep last night. I don't know what was up with it. Or uh, we ended up watching something way too late last night. Or I definitely think I ordered the wrong coffee this morning. Or how you doing? I'm a little tired, but it's because I worked out this morning. So I feel good. My challenge to you is to answer that question of how you're doing just just honestly at the lowest level and then see what happens and what i'm guessing will happen is that they'll be like oh then they'll say something that's relatable or they'll open up a little bit or they'll admit to something that might be similar and now all of a sudden you have this like this little connection here and when you're walking by in the office you're just like you you, you that head nod is not the normal like so it's like hey dude you know it's like and you do that enough. And I think that's the easiest way to learn the value of ditching the act. 
And if you want to see how that plays out on social, if all your posts are always like, things are great, things are great, things are great, share something silly or stupid that happened. And like, I went to this event yesterday and I tweeted out that I was actually kind of nervous and excited, more excited than nervous, but still nervous. It was an in-person event. And I had a number of people that were like, you got this, it's going to be okay. And like, re like reacting and like, yeah. Instead of like, oh, I'm going to my networking event. I'm going to crush this thing. It's like, I'm all... Like, <laughs> So that would be my one challenge or takeaway. I, now I forgot what else you asked me. Where is the best place for people to reach out to you? Well, if you want to find me online, go to ryan.online. Just type it in the browser. Okay. Ryan.online. If you want to email me, get your pen and paper, ryan at ryan.online. <laughs> and if you want to check out my stick figures, you can go to stickfigure.store and you can check out my NFTs there as well. And the podcast, you can find off my website and then uh, you've got the ryan.online forward slash start. And you know, there's too many places already. Just ryan.online. And I'm, the, I'm most active on Twitter. So okay. I will likely um, get quicker to you and engage there. I'm not going to be your friend on Facebook. I'm sorry. I just don't, don't log in there. <laughs> and then Instagram is, is a fun place to kind of fill. There you go. Thank you. And we'll make sure to have those links in the notes for anybody who is driving or doing something without pen and paper or who cannot see this or away from a computer. So, Ryan, I want to thank you for being a guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast. And um, I am super excited to hear what you do with your stick figure art and your tokens and your next book. So. Have a good one. All right. Well, you know, if, if I were to wrap this up, I would say, ah. here is the deal. Let me give it to you real. The key to connection is to learn to be real because you are not perfect and neither am I. And that is the exact reason that we see eye to eye because everybody's different, but we are all the same. To be perfectly imperfect is how you win the game. And if you only showcase good and do not share the bad, you will miss connections that you never knew you had. Instagram, Twitter book, are you LinkedIn? Are you snapping out a TikTok trying to fit in? Stop worrying about everybody else and focus on being your authentic self because when you learn to disreact and learn to be yourself, you open up a window to have people help you out. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.